1: Good evening, riffers. This is Rest and Rolls, the 5e DD podcast. We go through the many 5e books and talk about various roles that haunt your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master
2: of Riffwike, And I'm Remy, a player on Riffwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about Find Steed. Nathan, what is Find Steed?
1: So, um, you need to find a uh, grassland. Walk about. Try and find a horse. Beat it up. That, that's, how, that's how you tame a horse, right? Wow, you uh, so it's yours this
2: week, Nathan. Even more than usual. Like usually, you just talk about something dying. Now you're you. I mean, I guess beating up is better than murdering things, but fine. You, yeah, it's more but you, you
1: can't. You can't ride a dead. You can You can't ride a dead um, horse. It, you
2: can't if <laughs> you're a necromancer.
1: I mean, you can, but you can't. But you can, I guess. <laughs> but but you really can't. <laughs> uh, anyway,
2: Fine Steed is a second level paladin spell. And honestly, it is something that the people who use it love it. But it's also one that's shockingly underutilized just amongst paladins as a whole and just kind of in D&D in general. So... Seriously though, Nathan, without talking of beating up horses, like what do you actually know about the spell?
1: Uh, ten minutes as a ritual, you can summon the one ride of sorts—an animal to ride upon. Uh, that's that's about the gist of it.
2: No, it actually is not a ritual spell. It just takes ten minutes. It just has oh, a ten-minute oh, okay. casting time. So Let's I can see I, why yeah. you would think that, but it still does require yeah, a second-level spell I assumed that it slot. was
1: because of the timing
2: so there are quite a number of aspects about this spell that do make it interesting so first things first uh you did mention 10 minute casting time but the duration is a massively underappreciated aspect of the spell how long does the steed last nathan and forever pretty much yeah so unlike every other summoning spell that has a duration of an hour or so Fine Steed has a duration of instantaneous. And that word has a very specific meaning, which is that once the spell is cast, the effect happens. Because a lot of other spells last until dispelled. So if something like Dispel Magic is cast, it makes it go away. Fine Steed, however, because its duration is instantaneous, once the spell is cast, the thing is simply there until it drops to zero hit points. However, there is yet another thing that also just completely proves that, you know, Caden on Riffwake does not read his spells. There's also this aspect. You can also dismiss your steed at any time as an action, causing it to disappear. In either case, (laughs) casting the spell again summons the same steed restored to its hit point maximum. So so it lasts until it drops to zero hit points, or you can just choose to let it go away. But something that the particular horse that has been summoned on the Riftwake podcast uh, is unfortunately well aware of. The fact that it does summon the same steed is not necessarily a good thing.
1: What, what are you saying is the best thing? By, by the way, a real quick question. Uh-huh. Uh, like, it, it can eat utensils, right? Excuse me? Like, um, the steed, it, it can like interact with shit, like, eat corpses you know the the normal stuff
2: it is a thing that is there so let me actually just uh, read a little bit more of the spell to go over exactly what this thing can do you summon a spirit that assumes the form of an unusually intelligent strong and loyal steed creating a long-lasting bond with it appearing in an unoccupied space within range it takes on a form that you choose a warhorse pony camel elk or mastiff uh there's also a very interesting parenthetical note here your gm might allow other animals to be summoned as steeds the steed has the stats of the chosen form although it is a celestial fey or fiend your choice instead of its normal type also if the steed has an intelligence of five or less its intelligence becomes six and it gains the ability to understand one language of your choice that you speak. That is really cool. So not only do you summon a steed, but it is a sentient creature that understands a language. Also, there's another thing just further on. While your steed is within a mile of you, you can communicate with each other telepathically. Yet another one that proves that Caden has never actually read his spell. So Nathan, can you tell me some potential uses for this being?
1: You can ride it. You can use it for intel. Yeah. Like recon, scouting out locations.
2: Yeah. So you being able to, to communicate corpses. with it. Telepath. I'm sorry. What? <laughs>
1: um, you can use it to eat corpses. You can use it to um ride around. I guess.
2: <sighs> Why are you like this?
1: um anyone who's wondering what what i'm talking about um enjoy the Uh, christmas episode from 2020 uh, on riff
2: lake yeah it's great it it, terrible yes but great (laughs) Uh, but i am curious do you with your knowledge of the numbers of fifth edition Notice yes, anything in common between the warhorse, Pony, Camel, Elk, and Mastiff? They, they, they all are animals. Which in D&D terminology? Beasts. Correct! Nicely done. So, this particular spell does seem to only summon beasts. Is there anything else that you notice about those?
0: Uh,
1: no. <laughs> okay. What else?
2: So, all of them are beasts that are less than cr1 so they're all one half cr or less so Mm -hmm. as a dm what is your opinion on the idea of potentially allowing other things to be summoned
1: um basically just follow the thing but i i wouldn't be i wouldn't say no to something more powerful if there was like a relevant reason to do it most often being that dude, dude that's cool
2: so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, rule of cool can definitely go for a lot when it comes to these kinds of things. But there is one other detail that is worth pointing out, which is, of course, the movement type. All of those creatures have a, you know, walk speed, but they do not have any swim speed or fly speed. And that is an important thing to just make a note of in terms of just considerations of allowing other types of creatures. Uh, actually, also, they don't even have a climb speed also, so that also could potentially limit some things so again, that's worth keeping in mind so just for funsies, I am uh on d beyond, and I'm just gonna do a quick search for any other just large or bigger one eighth to one half c r beasts just to kind of see what other stuff comes up that would just might be kind of funny. oh, <laughs> okay, for some reason, instead of having something like a bull on here they just have it as cow which for some reason amuses me could you imagine someone just charging on a dairy cow into battle
1: that, that would be amazing <laughs>
2: and the party would have milk <laughs> <laughs> i would be perfectly fine allowing something like that because that would be really funny Ah, oh, that would be cool Ooh, another fun one the giant lizard That would also be really cool and could potentially be like an interesting choice, just like in desert as something that isn't just camel. So, yeah, like so there are other options besides just the standard on there that can make sense. Um, I'm sorry, I just saw walrus and unfortunately that is one with a swim speed, but just the idea of riding a walrus is amazing to me. (laughs) it wouldn't be very fast okay. but you'd be you know, very intimidating but so, honestly that might be an interesting trade-off if just like you allow your players to come across like a land walrus so it's definitely not fast but it has more hit points than usual or something like that that would honestly be very very funny to me ah oh man that's that is just fun to think about but yeah fine steed though it just really is an underappreciated spell because generally speaking you know, humanoids are going to have a speed around 30 feet, you know, plus or minus five. So having hmm. a mount massively increases the character's mounted speed. So I'm um, just curious, Nathan, can you tell me which of those uh, creatures that I read off on the list would be the fastest? Uh, what war Horse? Yeah, that's correct. 60 feet. So with a speed of 60, that is double the speed of an average character. So if you do just have even just, you know, single person on horseback, that is a really significant boon. And there is also just one aspect of mounts in general that is underappreciated, which is, you know, as long as you can assume that you can avoid getting hit by ranged attacks, if you're faster than other creatures, they can't hit you very well. Like, if you've got, you know, a bunch of, you know, goblins with short swords, let's say, so they just happen to, you know, not have their slings handy or some such, then, okay, if you have all of your party mounted and you decide, oh, let's not fight these guys and just use horses to just go, just outrun them, that's an option that you have. So in terms of just skipping, you know, certain encounters, That is something that could be considered beneficial just to take advantage of just mounts in general. Like, considering, you know, higher level parties, and by higher level, I just mean, like, more than five. Like, it is weirdly underutilized for the party to just take advantage of mounts in general. Which really does just kind of strike me as odd. Because the ability to just kind of avoid the, you know, quote-unquote lesser encounters that are just between you and your destination is something that can just help speed along with just the advancement of plot. And although I will say that can be a plus or a minus depending on, you know, the type of game you as a DM are trying to run. Now, Nathan, based on what we talked about on Tuesday, can you tell me any potential shenanigans that a smart party could get up to with Fine Steed?
1: Well, um, with Fine Steed, using... Spellcasting services. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets one. Yay! How? <laughs> uh, it's this the spell thing
2: because it, you spell. summon a spirit that creates a bond with you.
1: Y- you get the get, get one of the spell thingamajiggies.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the I forgot everything.
1: <laughs> Cut
2: Just talked about the
1: um, uh, <sighs> and then you just kind of use it. <laughs> and and, and yes. there you go, you get a if you have horse. A
2: scroll, or a spell gem, or a ring of spell storing, ideally. <laughs> so the ring, especially.
1: Exactly, a, spe- a spell thingamajiggy.
2: Yes, a, a spell thingamajiggy. jiggy. because again, if you have your paladin cast fine steed into something like a spell gem or a ring of spell storing, then other people in the party cast it and then have their own steed that just lasts until it's you know killed or uh, dismissed, and also just right having which a basically means a horse it's a very die, replaceable horse. A, yeah, but what's also interesting about it is the fact that. When you cast the spell again, it summons the same steed. So this allows a party by using this type of shenanigan to like make bonds with you know their mount of choice, and then even if something bad should happen, it is a temporary setback and not you know a heartbreak or even just a massive inconvenience, like because it can get brought back if the party is smart about it. Right, but. As we were talking a bit before, it's not necessarily a good thing, because it if it is the same steed, what are some of the potential issues?
1: I, I can't see anything wrong with having the same steed at all. Like, mm-hmm. what could possibly go wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're gonna feed corpses to your horse or anything. Mm-hmm. Y- you know?
2: I do know, in fact exactly nothing very well in fact (laughs) nothing could go wrong (laughs) right ready so as is so often the case sometimes someone in your party your dm or all of the above will turn out to be assholes and that's sad when that happens and they might make the (laughs) make the steed do things that it doesn't want to do and that just makes me more sad when it happens Why, why would anyone?
1: I, I don't imagine anything. Possibly.
2: Let me just put it this way. On our other podcast, Rift Wake, we have an episode titled That Poor Horse. And it is appropriately titled. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I, I, I just can't help but think that poor horse every time I think about that episode. Like, there's a reason we gave it that damn title. <laughs> it's very sad. It's because we couldn't stop saying that. <laughs> Ah, all right so that is the normal fine steed however there is still quite a lot to talk about because there are actually other steed related spells so nathan can you name either the other two
1: fine greater steed yeah do you know the third steed spell fine greatest steed (laughs) (laughs)
2: that would be funny (laughs) but unfortunately no
1: find the bestest boy would you (laughs) find bestest boy
2: (laughs) yes that's the one so the other one is another kind of underappreciated spell called phantom steed so we'll talk about that one at last though you are correct that Find greater steed is the next so this is actually also just a really cool one on the downside this one is much less utilized nathan can you tell me why that is more
1: uh, more high spell slot yes yeah
2: so the thing is though it's a fourth level spell which doesn't sound particularly high actually that isn't
1: too bad
2: so why would it be so much less in exchange so before we even get into that just the casting of the spell is much less frequent in general okay can you tell me why no not at all when do paladins get 4th level spells?
1: Oh. Yeah. yeah. They they only get up to level 5. Right. So paladins it not full spell casting class.
2: Correct. And that is something that everyone forgets about when you consider that it's a 4th level spell. It is definitely different if you were to consider the fact that it is only available to a paladin at level 13 so yeah that explains why most fifth edition parties just don't get there which is a damn shame so even also another tangent before i talk about the spell itself nathan can you tell me a way to make the spell accessible quicker to a potential party
1: just give it to him
2: (laughs) No, no no like without without any homebrew or shenanigans
1: okay I'm telling you, there's a way. I'm spell curious if you can figure it out. Services? Whoa! No, because
2: no. you, cause you oh, still need a okay. 13th level paladin to cast it.
1: Um, cheese. If if you have enough cheese, you can. <laughs> I don't know, Remy. <laughs> I don't fucking know, Remy.
2: <laughs> Bards. Oh, right. Bards have that class feature, Magical Secrets, that at 10th level lets them pick any two spells from any class list, as long as it's a level that they're able to. So that is one of the bigger shenanigans in the game is that ability to take spells that are usually from a half-casting spell list and to make it available to a bard at a rather earlier level. So a bard would be able to take that at that level. Huh. Yep. So at 10th level, so a bard could actually take that before a paladin in the same party. Which is kind of rude. That's kind of funny. It's
1: like, hey man, um I'm better than you. It's like, no, you're not. And it's like, at yes, I am. That, look, yeah. look at,
2: like, look, I get look at the my, greater look at your powers. You still have this the beast horse. And that's it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. It's very rude, though. <laughs> I mean,
0: okay, but what about if you don't have a palette in the party, then you can just have the cool thing?
1: Yeah. It's like anyway...
2: Now, the difference, though, between the regular fine steed and fine greater steed, again, it's those same three details that I pointed out before. So CR, first of all, instead of just being limited to a half or lower, now you can have a creature that is up to a CR 2. So the ones that they have listed Griffin, Pegasus, Periton, Direwolf, Rhinoceros, or Sabertooth Tiger. So that is a rather significant upgrade. Now then, do you notice any of the other points of interest based on those creatures I just listed? They can fly? Can they fly? That is one of them, movement modes. A lot of these are indeed able to fly. Fly. Now, and what was that third thing?
1: They they, they can attack people.
2: (laughs) Well, yes, they are better in combat, that is true. But the point that I wanted to make, though, you are no longer limited to beasts. Griffins are a monstrosity, a pegasus is a celestial, periton also a monstrosity. Direwolf and rhino and Sabertooth tiger, however, are still beasts. So you are no longer limited by movement speed or by creature category. So this spell particularly opens up a lot of a lot more options again if you as a dm are allowing more interesting creatures so again same as before before i go off the list nathan can you tell me if you remember any creatures that would fit in that category
1: um i would say that (laughs) flying and not
2: what's the cr again uh just two or lower
1: uh t-rex no no No, that's that's
2: that's much higher
1: (laughs) <laughs> a t- tiger let's go with that
2: uh, a tooth tiger is on that list so yes
1: I, I don't know
2: <laughs> alright well there are a few so one that's always a classic is of course the brown bear favorite of druids everywhere So then you might have a potential funny thing if you have, again, the ring of spell storing amongst the party. (laughs) So imagine if you have a druid who rides on a brown bear and then turns into a brown bear and then you just have bear bro battle. That could be pretty fun. So where things do get a little fuzzy, however, is that now that you are able to get out of the limitation of the beasts category, there are some creatures that are significantly more powerful than others in that same CR category. So as one example of that, uh have you ever heard of something called the crag cat?
1: It's the cat that lives in the crag.
2: Truly, your intellect is dizzying. <laughs> but
1: am I to say that are you to say that it isn't <laughs> a cat that lives in a crag?
2: Do you mean to say that? Anyway, so this is something that is from Storm King's Thunder. However, unlike a lot of other creatures, not only does it have, you know, attacks and a better, you know, hit point and armor class, but it also has two passive abilities that are rather interesting. So first off would be non-detection. The cat can't be detected or targeted by any divination magic or perceived through magical's crying sensors. That's pretty nifty ability. So if you want to have like a rogue type with a pet, this would be a kind of neat choice. It's the other one, though, that are that's kind of bullshit. The cat has advantage on saving throws against any spell. that targets only the cat, not an area. If the cat's saving throw succeeds and the spell is of seventh level or lower, the spell has no effect on the cat and instead targets the caster. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's amazing. That is some <laughs> bullshit right there. It Sure
2: is. So <laughs> that's the kind of thing that would make most DMs argue or like, just like fuck no! That's a bullshit ability, and also that is a CR one creature. It's just really, really good. That, uh, that that's that's
1: stupidly powerful. Yeah. So especially on the play character, like cast a yeah. mount that doesn't doesn't despawn
2: yeah that's a really useful ability but on the other hand even if you do look at something like the you know the simple dire wolf like it has advantage on perception checks that rely on hearing or smell so for a you know a scouty type or just also rogue still a useful choice but it also has pack tactics Which is a great ability that gives the wolf advantage on attack rolls against a creature, as long as the ally is just next to it and the ally isn't incapacitated. So in that case, if you just have the wolf and somebody next to the thing, then it gets advantage, and you don't have to worry as much about you know flanking for the wolf. It can just be there and still get advantage relatively easily. Plus the fact that, you know, on their bite, a failed saving throw will knock the target prone. So even the simple direwolf, wolf does have some pretty nifty abilities. But of course, like D&D is a classic fantasy game. So there's no way I couldn't mention just the giant eagle for everyone who does just really want to just lean into their Tolkien.
1: Time to fly to the
2: mountains. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> I know my Lord of the Rings. Yay. I, I've not read it in years, though, so I can't remember shit. So Yeah, yeah. honestly,
2: <laughs> even I could go for a reread. But another just kind of cool option, the ice spider. Well, actually, on second thought, I'm going to skip ahead a bit because I know that there's CR2 spiders also. So let me skip ahead a bit to that one. Here, spider, spider, spider. Ah, there we go. The ice spider queen from Storm King's Thunder is also a CR2. So just for ice spider a quick queen. comparison <laughs> about just how great the difference is between fine steed and fine greater steed, so we talked before about how you know warhorse is probably like the most powerful option among the regular fine steed and that is a creature with 11 ac and 19 hit points fine greater steed let's go with the direwolf since we were already talking about that 14 ac and 37 hit points so so a little more armor class and practically double the hit point total but again so now let's take a look though at this ice spider queen 14 AC, 44 hit points, 30 foot speed, but also a 30 foot climb speed. And speaking of climb, do you remember something that most spiders in D&D can do? Good climb? <laughs> they climb good. Spider climb. Climb difficult surfaces, including upside down on ceilings without needing to make an ability check. So.
1: So that, that's like basically they shared the same ability as the spell. Yeah. That lets you do the thing.
2: Yes. On the downside, there is one very obvious reason that this would not be a great idea as a mount, though, which is Cold Aura. Any creature that starts its turn within five feet of the queen takes 2d4 cold damage.
1: Creature. Yes. Creature, yeah. So that, unless you have... Immunity. Um, bracelet bracelet of cold immunity. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> fancy bracelet of but on code the other hand,
2: in terms of just having <laughs> yeah. a creature to fight alongside, one very important yeah, aspect of that to note, there's no saving throw. There's no attack roll. That aura is automatic damage, which is a powerful ability. I've got
1: a question. If uh-huh. you were to chop it up into pieces and then throw it at enemies, would it work the same way?
2: Well, there is the problem with that. You're forgetting that they disappear when they go to zero hit points. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, well, but it still and technically be
1: lie if you chopped it up into little bits.
2: Well, see that's not. where things can get a little fuzzy. Could you chop off a mm-hmm. leg and throw that?
1: I mean, yeah, I guess you could, but technically, from the legs' perspective, it's at zero hit points, wouldn't it be?
2: But that's where we get into the topic of injuries, which we will talk about next week. Yes, <laughs> but also about the ice spider queen. However, it its bite attack does 1d8 plus 3 piercing and 2d8 poison damage as well so that is a rather powerful it like it doesn't have multi-attack like some creatures do but still that's pretty powerful and of course you know as most spiders do it has the ability to web to potentially restrain a creature but with the additional bonus of unlike other spiders to take One d4 cold damage for any creature that is restrained by the spider's webs. So again, automatic damage with this sucker. So if you, okay, if you really just want to do some bullshit, imagine if you do just have like a party of four, just have four of these things and just make them go in front. Like that is bullshit from the action economy perspective. On top of
1: that, yeah, exactly. I was going to say that it's like action economy, action economy. Action economy.
2: And honestly, that's one of the things that is a massive potential downside to consider the cheese potential of this ability. Action money. However, this could be a massively valuable thing for a small party. Because imagine if you just had, let's say, two people in your party, then this would be a way to give an actually relatively powerful ally to those two that you could let them play and run. And then you have four creatures in combat, and if the mount should get killed, well, that's a whole lot more replaceable than your two-player characters. So there are a lot of situations where just having these types of steeds like available to the party, even with all of that shenanigan options that I mentioned, can be a good idea to do uh i am just going to mention one more example just because i find it to be hilarious but that's also just my personal sense of humor so i would assume that you're familiar with the purple worm
1: a ginormous worm that tunnels about killing people
2: yeah what a lot of people don't know is that there is a purple worm ling that is a cr2 creature
1: so tiny purple, purple oh, it's, worm it's that goes around places. So it's still a
2: horse-sized uh, worm.
1: So even the tiny one isn't that tiny. Correct. You see. Yeah. What about the? the okay. Yeah. What? Shit. That kind of. Can you imagine? It's just like a horse-sized worm. So you're like you're taking a shit in the cave or something, and then just all of a sudden you're
2: like. <laughs> Ah, it's like
1: there be vibrations. The graboid. and, then, and It's
2: like ah! Nathan doesn't get it, but you folks at home hopefully will. I don't get it. <laughs> but anyway, but a purple wormling would just be a hilarious option just as a mount because the purple worm is an iconic creature of D anD. d So the idea of like having a purple wormling just there is just really funny. Like. Imagine just like the conversation of just like, OK, you get to the inn and you're like, OK, you need to stable your mounts. Um, you have a purple wormling. <sighs> it's, it's, it's just, just like funny. when you
1: wake up the next morning, it's just like it's the only thing left. And it's grown like a bit <laughs> like well, all the horses. This is a
2: summoned creature. It's not exactly a biological being anymore. You know, that's fucking sad, isn't it? so actually that's something that we should talk about because you are summoning a spirit you know created by magic so would you as a dm rule that it has to eat
1: right okay so remy let me let me just ask you a
2: question right
1: those spirits Uh... deserve rights
2: well that's (laughs) a question ain't it
1: because, like, uh, you, they aren't quite, you know, like, totally there, not quite real. You know, you, some might say that it would be okay to do hard things to them since they're not quite all there. For example, get them to eat corpses. So, um, it not it, not, it's not all bad, is it now?
2: And that's why it should be a DM decision whether you allow certain individuals to have access to these poor creatures.
1: <laughs> exactly. Everyone gets one, especially those of questionable (laughs) (laughs) history with
2: animals. (sighs) All right. Anyway, so let's move along to the last one. Phantom Steed. So this is another just, well, it's not the same as the other two. Let me put it that way. So first off, this is a ritual spell that is available to wizards. Well, and also the uh, undead warlock patron from Unearthed Arcana, but I'm not going to. Fully count that one. So one minute casting time, so 11 minutes as a ritual. Unlike the others, this one is a normal summon that only lasts for one hour. But I really do just like this spell. A large, quasi-real, horse-like creature appears on the ground in an unoccupied space of your choice within range. You decide the creature's appearance, but it is equipped with a saddle bitten bridle. Any of the equipment created by a spell vanishes in a puff of smoke as is carried more than 10 feet away from the steed. Uh, blah, 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 blah. You or a creature you choose can, can ride the steed. It uses the stats of a riding horse, except it has a speed of 100 feet and can travel 10 miles in an hour or 13 miles at a fast pace when the spell ends it fades gradually giving the rider a minute to dismount uh, also ends if you use an action to dismiss it or if the steed takes any damage so not useful in combat but real useful for travel so like we talked about before the normal warhorse can only go up to 60 uh, speed of 60 feet, but this has a 100 foot speed, which means that if you were to take the dash action while mounted on a Seed, you would move 200 feet in a single turn. So this is a really fast creature and can really just let you go around other things. Uh, I do uh, realize that I actually did miss one detail I should mention when talking about uh, the fine greater speed, though. So we mentioned that that the flying creatures were also options. So that also is just a good illustration of the value of speed when you consider something like the Pegasus, which also does have a 60-foot running speed, but also has a fly speed of 90 feet. So, Nathan, could you remind all of us the benefits of a fly speed?
1: When you're in the air, no one can get you.
2: Yes. If you can go above them and you can hit them, but they cannot hit you, you win. We have to fly ground. <laughs> Nicely done, Nathan. I appreciated that one. <laughs> in summary, Steed, all of the Steed spells are a very interesting addition to the game, technically mostly for paladins, but with some shenanigans available to others as well. But regardless of whether it is just the Paladin or other members of the party, don't let Nathan have one. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riftwakepodcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwick on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Podcast, and you can send us an email, riftwakepodcast at gmail.com.
1: And that's it for today.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator